This is VGC Video Game Cast, episode number one, for February 28, 2006. Welcome to the first episode of VGC. I'm here with uh, Joey Ginsberg. Hello. And I am Devin Taylor, your host for this evening. Um, this is a podcast. It's the first episode. We're going to be talking about the state of the industry of video games, not just one single company, but the entire industry altogether. All right. Uh, we have a lot of topics to talk about today. Let's start off with uh, PS3 being delayed. That really does suck. I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean like, well... Oh, be honest, I mean, we didn't actually expect it to come out in spring. I mean, they, they announced it last year at E3. We were all excited about it. We, we haven't seen one playable demo. Let's see, that's another thing. I mean, I'm not going crazy for it because I don't know what it's like. Xbox 360, tons of hype. I saw what it was. I was excited. PS3, I'm still in the blue, still waiting for something to get me all hyped up for it. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, Xbox 360, really, I didn't really have much expectation for it. I mean, I was looking forward to it, of course. I mean, the hype was huge. But, I mean, compared to PS3, I was more excited for PS3. But, when I saw Xbox 360's games, even though they might not be, you know, as great as we thought they would be, I mean, this is still only the first generation of games for the system. So, I think it'll be a lot better, and I like the content we're seeing so far. But, for PS3 being delayed until, I believe, this fall, hopefully, I mean, if they let uh, Microsoft get away with another whole holiday season without any competition, that'd be very bad for them. So, uh, look for PS3 this fall. I'm just waiting for PS3 to finally make its final date. Once they decide, I will be happy, I will be excited. But until they give me that final date, I am not going to stick my head and butt into it about complaining about all that stuff. Now, of course, I mean, even if though the, they haven't set a complete date, unless they set a date, no one is going to be able to reserve the system at a retailer. Mm-hmm. But for right now, so the Sony product I'm using a lot right now is the PSP. And that brings us to our next topic. Devin, which system do you think you like better, DS or PSP? Well, you have to look at the overall picture. We have DS right now, which is selling a lot more than the PSP. The PSP is a great system. It's very stylish. It's much better style factor than the DS. The only problem with the PSP, though, is the lack of content. I mean, lately we haven't been seeing any new games for the system, although new games are coming out. We just see a constant flow of new content for the DS, and it's all innovative. Mm -hmm. I think I kind of like the DS a little bit better right now, also because the PSP doesn't have as many games. But the other thing about the DS that I'm liking is I just got a wireless router, and Wi-Fi has been great for me. I've been playing Mario Kart a lot against some people from Japan, England, all over the countries. Oh yeah, and I can't wait till Metroid Prime, uh, Prime Hunters comes out. I mean, whoa, we're going to be talking to each other through a Wi-Fi connection and a handheld. The first handheld system besides Xbox 360, which is the console system, doing VoIP. That, that's a great achievement. I, I can't wait to use that. Though, I do feel PSP does have some games that really do put its name much ahead of DS. Just like Untold Legends. I'm a big fan of that game. It's great because I put like about 20 to 30 hours into it, still loving it. I can't wait till until Legend Warriors come out. Well, I, I still think the games are better on the DS, but the one thing I definitely do like better about the PSP is homebrew. Wow, that homebrew. I mean, we've been doing some amazing stuff with the PSP. 
I mean, nobody expected the PSP to come out of nowhere with being able to download so much homemade content. I'd say the best developers for the PSP over the whole year is probably independent developers at their house filling with the system. The one thing that's going to kind of ruin the DS for me, just a tad bit, is that every new game they're producing right now is going to have 2.0, which gets rid of the downloading capability that sometimes... Like that, there's just some fun short games that aren't the actual big games. You mean uh, PSP? Yeah, for the PSP, it's gonna make me kind of hate it a little bit more because now I have to upgrade to 2.0, and I kind of lose some games. Like I, I've been playing a lot of Nintendo games for it, which is a lot of fun. Oh yeah, the emulators. I mean, oh, who would have thought you could play Super Nintendo on a on a Sony platform? This is crazy. Uh, but then you have a uh, PSP, who just like you said, is coming out with games like uh, Grand Theft Auto and such, which are allowing you must update in order to play the game at all on the system. Which, uh, even though there is uh, breakthroughs coming out for 2.0, 1.5 is still where it's at for homebrew. Yeah, the other thing about the DS that's kind of surprised me since I bought it and all, and that was that the dual screen doesn't really do much. I mean, it shows a few maps, helps you a little bit, but the touching capability that they overhyped and every advertisement, everything about the DS, you think about touching, you really don't do much touching. It's just morely there for a second screen, something that the PSP or other handhelds don't have, and that's about it. So you're calling it a gimmick? Yes. Yeah, I would say that the dual screen and the touch capability is a nice gameplay implementation, but I really don't see it as a very good, you know, I mean, like, not many developers are taking advantage of it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm afraid that might happen with Revolution as well, with Nintendo coming out and, uh, and um, developing games for the system without having... Uh, the controller being used to its maximum capability. I mean, what if you have developers who make stupid games that people don't want to play and the controller becomes all gimmicky? That is completely true. Yeah, but th then you have uh, things like, you know, sword slashing, which could look gimmicky, but if you, if you really think about it, developers could use the system to really make a new gameplay element to all the old games. It, it could uh, revolutionize, no pun intended, all first-person shooters. <laughs> and, uh... That brings us to our next topic. We have Revolution developing kits being sent out, and they only cost two thousand dollars. <laughs> that's that's pretty cheap for an exact console. When PS2 could be up to twenty thousand dollars, and Xbox could be. Oh man, it, it's it's very expensive. If you look at, at PSP, PSP alone, that's a handheld, costs about seven seven thousand five hundred dollars mm -hmm. just to get the developing kit for. And this is a console we're talking about. This is a next generation console. And for it to cost only $2,000 to get the license, that that's huge. I mean, that's... That's, oh. that's going to give Revolution a big up on the other systems because more people are going to flock to it for the cheap for the cheap kit, but they're still going to make their games just as good as they would for any other consoles, right? So we got uh, great games coming out uh, at a lot faster pace because they can make more games without the worry of cost because of how cheap it is to develop on a console. That's great. And I think that the other thing that Revolution will do is, since it's also taking long, but this kid idea, when they start, they're going to come out with tons of games, and the flow is just going to keep going. Unlike other systems, that throw out 20 games at the beginning, half good, half somewhat good, and a few bad, when then you wait another month or two, and they don't come, they come out with maybe one or two games subpar. Well, and every launch of every system, there's always a, a big launch lineup, then the huge drought, and then we start getting more games coming in over time. Which I think is going to happen with Revolution as well, but probably not as much because of uh, the ability to create so many games so quick because it's familiar. I mean, it uses the same type of uh, programming as GameCube, 
So all they really have to do is up the specs of a GameCube game and add a controller implementation, and there you go, it's a revolution title. Yep, and since Steven here loves Nintendo so much, and he's always following all the updates about it, tell us what you think about this Twilight Princess being delayed till fall. Uh, it, this is driving me crazy. I mean, I must have reserved this game last June... And, uh, you know, having it being delayed till April, or the end of the fiscal year, which is at the end of March, so everyone thought it was going to be out in April, I mean, it it really hurt me. I really was looking forward to playing this in November, which is last November, by the way. And uh, then it got, the, it got pushed back to June, and then there were some rumors about it coming out in November, and nobody was really talking about it, everyone was thinking it was still coming out in April, and then now we know it's coming out in fall of 2006. I mean, it's been over a year now, and... I just can't believe it's taking this long for them to release a game. I mean, I guess they're coming out with, uh, maybe they have a Revolution controller support. Uh, so maybe you can use the Revolution controller. But I believe Reggie, in a recent interview with Spike TV, has uh, denounced that. He said that only GameCube peripherals would be able to be used with GameCube games. But since this being released so late, they could also imply that you might be able to use Revolution Controller just for Twilight Princess because it's going to be released so close to Revolution. But the other thing is, do you think Nintendo will let a lot of people down? Because since Twilight Princess has been delayed so much, people are expecting a lot of stuff from this, and they're setting a pretty high bar for its excellent, for being excellent. What do you think if it wasn't as good as you thought it would be? Well, you know what? I think no matter how high they set the bar, it's a Legend of Zelda game, and it will still blow me out of the water. I mean, you have Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask, which even though it wasn't as great, still a great game. You have Wind Waker, which was very controversial because of its graphical style. I still love that game. I, I, I played that game. I'm a huge fan of the Legend of Zelda series. I mean, it, there's no way Twilight Princess, especially being delayed this long. I know I, it seems like there's going to be more hype on it, uh, which there definitely will be. Everyone will want to get their hands on it. Which makes it smart for Nintendo to release it in uh, November, by the way. Because if they release it alongside their console, then all of a sudden, bam, this is a system seller. Not just for GameCube, but more or less Revolution because it's backward compatibility. But if you think say it's a game, uh, system seller, why don't you, do you think that maybe there's a plan to delay it? Just so they can maybe sell some more systems with it? I think that there's two possibilities. Either one, they purposely delayed it so that way they can make more money on the title by uh, having it sold with the Revolution. Uh, not as a bundle, but, you know, you can buy the system and buy the game since they're both out at the same time. I mean, I would do it. I mean, wow, uh, Twilight Princess is out, the system's out. I'll buy both of them. I'll, I'll play on, on a TV in 480p. I'll enjoy my Twilight Princess. And, and the other reason is uh, it could possibly be delayed because either they're adding voices to the game for the first time or they could possibly be just perfecting the game in every freaking way. Another market I want to bring up is the PC market right now. I think the PC right now, the, all the games, even they're somewhat cheaper, but yet I don't think that many people are buying them compared to the people buying the games for the system. What do you think? Well, you know, it's the end of the console cycle. Everyone's really hyped up about the next generation. Everyone really is forgetting about the PC, leaving it in the dark. Now, I mean, the PC market's condition right now is not bad, but it, it's stable right now. Is it increasing? No. Is it decreasing? Eh, not really. But is it really, is, does it have a bright future? It depends. Because if you think about it, the PC is a remarkable gaming machine. Because it's constantly being updated with new operating systems, uh, new gaming software, new graphic technology. It's constantly being updated. While you have consoles who aren't constantly being updated, who are only updated once every five, five to seven year cycle. And that, that makes PC games special. Now, as soon as they... 
they release all three next next generation console systems, people are going to start focusing back on the next huge PC title. Well, I think uh, the PCs won't be as much as a player in the gaming market as they were last generation. They most definitely will be a competitor, but I think the console market is going to be a lot uh, bigger in the gaming space. The other thing that I think is hurting the PCs, a few years ago, two years ago, I bought the game Condition Zero, extremely popular, made by <coughs> Steam and Valve, just outstanding, but it cost me about 30 bucks to buy the game, and I haven't had to pay another dime for it, I've just been playing it online for free. I mean, I'm involved in Cyber Athletic League and Online Gaming League, but I still don't have to pay a dime for it. This is another thing that kind of hurts the PC, because all these games, you pay one lump sum for them, and you just keep playing online with other people and being interactive. But, but then you have World of Warcraft. I mean, look at World of Warcraft right now. Wow, like so many members. It costs a membership each month. I mean, that kind of contradicts your statement. If you think about it, World of Warcraft is a service you have to pay every month, much like Xbox Live, which I think is a great service, by the way. Uh, I would much rather have uh, Xbox Live be free, but you know you can't always get what you want. Yeah, that is true. Also, my friend Devin here, I think he's kind of kooky, but he did buy a game called Guitar Hero. Now, would you like to explain to our view, our guests or our listeners what Guitar Hero exactly is? Imagine awesome, popular songs, DDR fashion, except you don't use your feet, you use a guitar peripheral. That's Guitar Hero. And let me tell you, it is a fun game to play. I mean, I don't know why Joey doesn't like this game. It is a great game. I love this game. I've been playing this game. I've been unlocking new songs. And uh, to me, it's, it's, it opens up a new door. So if you think about the next generation, we have the Revolution Peripheral Controller, which can open new doors to new music games. Music games and new, more interactivity in, in types of games is going to be a huge factor in the next generation. And I think that games like Guitar Hero have a huge market to advertise to. Do you think there's an age that you have to be to play Guitar Hero and have a good time with it? That's, that's another great thing about music games. Basically, if you like music, no matter how old you are, I mean, you don't have to be that skilled to play the game, although you could be better than somebody else at this game. The game is more about having fun. And I think that's a lot about what Nintendo's doing, too, with their, their blue market strategy, uh, uh, excuse me, blue ocean strategy, by uh, introducing games that are not only fun to some people, but are fun to all people, and, and uh, portraying their views to their own, uh, to the whole market, not just a particular section of the market. Um, also, if you heard, Devin also mentioned about Nintendo's interactive, interactive with the sword slashing and different things that the control will be able to do with the new revolution. How do you think this will affect like something like iToy, which is only for interactive <coughs> type of people? Do you think Revolution will put it out of business? No, I think iToy has a future. If you do realize, like iToy was mainly a gimmick. I mean, you play some of the iToy games, like iToy Kinetic. I mean, they have iToy Play One, iToy Play Two. I mean, the games are fun. But are they, are they, they're definitely different, but are they great? They're not great games. I mean, the iToy's not 100% accurate. It's not that great of, a, of a, a camera. I mean, you do get to see yourself while you're playing. It's a new idea. I like the idea. But I think the Revolution's 3D pointer in, uh, in uh, 3D virtual space is way more advanced. I don't think it's going to put it out of business, but the Revolution controller definitely opens more doors. Okay, well, we haven't talked too much about the new Xbox 360, even though it is the only new new console that has come out so far. But I would like to bring up something about the Xbox market. It also, these are small <coughs> games that used to be in an arcade that a lot of people might not remember, and there are a lot of other new games that our programmers and I have, don't have to put too much work into because they're very small, yet Xbox is charging about $20, 10 to 20 bucks a game. 
Well, it's not, it's not that much, but I would say it is uh, pretty hefty for an arcade game where you can pretty much get a MAME emulator and download the ROM. Or, you know, for instance, if you have a Street Fighter game, you can just download the console emulator or an arcade emulator. The problem is with Xbox Live Arcade is that uh, if the games aren't original, they won't sell. But the good thing about Xbox Live Arcade is you, it's so cheap to produce for that you have an everlasting flow of original content. Like, uh, we have a Marble Blast, we have, uh, uh, even though Smash TV is an old game, it's found a new life on the Xbox 360 console, and, uh, uh Geometry Wars. Geometry Wars is a great game, and, and that game is, uh, by Bizarre. It's a great game, and, uh, I'm very excited that it's done so well on the, on the Xbox Live Arcade. Now, the other point I want to bring about this, and I've been thinking, I've thought about this for a long time, I've posed this to a lot of people, and they've kind of agreed with me. The gamer score that a lot of people get from completing different parts of a game that the gamer has, the game production people have put in to add to the experience. Now, wouldn't that be kind of cool if you could take that gamer score and use it as market points to buy games? So it's kind of rewarding you for doing well in an actual main system game that's fifty to sixty dollars, and it rewards you with a ten dollar fun side game for free. So saying basically, the more gamer points you get by completing the games that cost Microsoft fifty dollars the more games you can buy from independent developers from the Xbox Live Arcade. More or less, you get your cake and you eat it too. I like the idea. I think don't, I think Xbox should come out of the way of doing this, maybe doing it next year or coming out with maybe for their next system, which probably won't be coming out for a few years, of course. But it's just <laughs> an idea that I think will make a lot of people more involved with it, be a it's little more, more inviting. happy. It's definitely more inviting. We do. We have a friend of ours that works at GameStop, and he has an Xbox 360, but his wife only plays these small games. He plays large games. So it would be great for him to beat some of these larger games that are $50, get these points, and then his wife also gets to play the Xbox 360 with her small games, and it's not costing him that anything. But there lies the problem, Joey. If you have people unlocking games for free, I mean, that doesn't make any sense to Microsoft at this point. Now, if Xbox Live was doing badly, or very poorly, I, w I would agree with you on, on this. I mean, I definitely love the idea. But the only problem is Microsoft will never take up an idea like that if they're making money from people buying the games. And right now, they're making a lot of money off of Arcade. But I think they should do some of the game score, give some rewards to the players, like giving them maybe throwing in a free background, giving them some information, some rewards, maybe a shirt, because Xbox loves to do free advertisement <laughs> with shirts, if you've ever seen like the, the Pepsi... They got keychains, shirts, hats, yeah. any free advertisement like that. It would know? definitely be more fair to the consumer, but will they do it? I don't think so. But but then you have uh, the other side of the, of the the market. We have Nintendo doing the virtual console, mm -hmm. which is basically Xbox Live with a twist. Instead of having old arcade games, you get the classic Nintendo from NES, Super Nintendo, and you also get N64. Well, <clears throat> these games are, are treasured to many gamers. And uh, it depends if they can get third-party support. Because, I mean, if they only have first-party Nintendo games at a virtual console, it'll be a great service. I mean, no doubt it'll succeed. But uh, if they had third-party, like, GoldenEye, which is made by Rare, which is now owned by Microsoft, and, and third-party games like that, uh, it'll be a much more successful service. That is true. And the same thing with Rare. I think that game companies are selling themselves way too short, that they're just giving their games up the highest paying bidder not being true to the system that has endorsed them for a long time, you know? Especially with the Resident Evil thing, going from PS2 to, to Revolution, Nintendo, and then maybe going to Xbox 360 later, which is just a rumor. What you're basically saying is uh, 
Capcom is mainly the one to blame for all this, where you're saying a, de a developer is true to one system and then flips to another system because of the popularity of the other system. Yes, but that's also, it's kind of the problem, it's not just Capcom, we don't want to single them out. A lot of other companies are doing it too. But, see, the thing is, the company's still reeking on the most benefits, especially with Capcom releasing Resident Evil 4 for GameCube. Great game, amazing, just one of the best games I've ever played. Though, they realized it was so great for Nintendo, which is so, not exactly as great as the PS2 in its aspect, so they decided to bring the game, entire game to PS2, add maybe an extra, an hour worth of gameplay to it, and then sell it off to them because PS2 is such a wider market for people. It, it's basically, uh, you know, you're selling it once to people who like the game, and people who own, own Nintendo, it's, it's a system seller for GameCube. And it was so successful, I, I agree with what you're saying, how they're releasing it, for uh, PS2, which does have a much wider uh, fan base, I mean, it's sold most units out of all three consoles. I don't agree with you, however, that uh, that the uh, PS2 is more powerful than the GameCube. I believe the GameCube does have better aspects of it. I mean, it was released a year later. Um, uh, the PS2, uh, they released the Resident Evil 4 for it with, yes, you said, an, only like an hour more content, where not only are new people buying the game, but people who already own the game are buying the game again because they're that much of fans. But I'm not, also what you said, I'm not saying that PS2 is better than Nintendo. I'm just saying I think PS2 is a wider range of games, has more players. Oh yeah, there's a much they, wider fan base, I hit, agree. They hit to every aspect, because Nintendo, I don't want to say it's kiddie, but it does have its more childish aspect with more cartoon type games than actual real play of violence. Xbox, very violent very much into sports, going for the older range. And then PS2 is kind of like the meeting of everything with their still original and very classic games. Yeah, whatever, man. You show me a five-year-old that can beat Zelda, and I'll, I'll shake your hand. But until then, you know, Nintendo for me, it's a great company. I think it goes more all around than just for Kitty. I, I'm not disagreeing with you on the fact that, yes, they do have cartoonish games. It, it might be targeted for a lower demographic, and that uh, Xbox and PS2 are more for the core gamer. Which is definitely true, and it's going to be true in the next generation as well. Revolution is going to be more for the entire audience, while PS2, I mean uh, PS3 and Xbox 360 are going to be solely for the core gamer. But that's the other problem, is when you say Zelda is not such a kiddie game, well, that's the thing that Nintendo does, is they take a game, they made great games in the 80s, and just kept adding new games onto that series. PS2 has had a few series, that's about it. Same with Xbox. Nintendo really based their entire growth on successful series. The franchises? Yes. yes. Yeah, the franchises for Nintendo are the most profitable thing for Nintendo. I mean, uh, Sony and Microsoft would kill to have the franchises Nintendo has. And Sony does have their own franchises, however, as you said, not as strong as the going ones for Nintendo. But except PS2 does have one of the strongest franchises that I must admit is one of the best series I've ever played. I mean, I'm playing it. I played it originally for PS1, PS2, and that's Final Fantasy. Oh and, yeah. And uh, the thing is, Nintendo is kind of wreaking on the profits too because they moved it to GBA, and I'm playing that on my DS right now. I just beat four. Great game. Extra ending. Perfect. And then I'm going back to one and two. That game's like 60 to 70 hours because you got two whole games that take a lot of effort, even though they're still simple. They're just classics. They're just so much fun to play again. Yeah, I find it a shame that uh, instead of having uh. A Square Enix released Final Fantasy series for the entire multi-system. They, they, they release it only solely for the, the Sony console because, I mean, you look at it, uh, 
They have Square Enix locked up, man. They they have Final Fantasy locked up for Sony systems. They don't want it to go away. They're not trying to lose it. They could lose it, however, in the next generation. It could be shared with Xbox 360. That we do not know right this time. No, and, uh, but I must admit, you Square Enix, one of the greatest companies because the games they make are just ultimate classics. They're they're great developers. I definitely I agree with you. Now another topic that we were kind of wondering about is. What about Burnout Revenge? Do you think it's going to be better or worse than its predecessor, if you want to say? Uh, you mean the the one for the current gen? Yes. Um, I was working with, with Burnout Revenge. I've played a demo of Burnout Revenge for Xbox 360. I've also played the game for Xbox. I mean, if you own the game for Xbox, do not get the one for Xbox 360. However, if you've been holding out, the game does look much sharper on the Xbox 360. And if you do not own this game yet, I would definitely recommend that you get this game for Xbox 360. However, if you do not own an Xbox 360, and uh, you do want this game, however, you can still pick it up on the regular gen consoles. It still looks great, still plays like a great game. I love this series, I've loved this series since the beginning, and I'm really happy to see it look really good in the 360. But another thing is about is I just gotta know since you said it's, you shouldn't really buy it for the Xbox 360. I gotta know what was what are the games that you've bought, which has probably been a lot, almost every game I would say. Which one's your favorite? I just wanna know. Um, for the Xbox 360, my favorite game, I would have to say, it's a rivalry between three games, which are all great: uh, Men, Call of Duty 2, and uh, Full Auto. I'm going to narrow those down. Uh, we got Call of Duty 2, possibly one of the greatest shooters I've ever played. It plays flawlessly on the Xbox 360. It's also available for PC. Um, that's, that's probably my favorite game. I mean, Man's a great game, but it, it left out a lot of the franchise stuff and a lot of the extra, extra playability, the replay value that the current-gen version has. And uh, Full Auto, although it's a great game, it's very repetitive. So I'm going to have to say Call of Duty 2, my favorite game for Xbox 360. Now, do you think, what would be one that you want to add to Call of Duty 2, since you said it's your favorite? Because there's got to be something that you are missing, and something that you would want for the game that would just make it better than any other game. There wouldn't even be three choices next time. Um, single player's flawless. I, I really can't add anything to single player. But if I were to add something, it would be for the online mode... To be more immersed, I'd rather you be able to uh, to have actual channels you can make, like game rooms you can make, and invite your friends that way, instead of having to go into a room and then inviting your friend and hope to God he gets in there before uh, before the, the, that particular game server is full. And also, uh, I don't know if anyone knows this, but uh, when you run a server on Call of Duty 2, that whole server is running off of one Xbox 360. The first person into the server in Call of Duty 2 runs that game. And if that person has a crappy internet connection, the entire server is screwed. Now, some people might understand what, not understand what you're saying, but I think Devin, what he's trying to say is he wants a server list where some people actually, actually might pay money to have their own server for this, maybe even do clans and just broaden the aspect of this game and just bring it to its next level. Oh, it would have much wider gameplay value if they did that. I mean, not even if you have to pay for it. Maybe you don't have to pay for it. It doesn't matter. As long as you can make your own servers and have your own game channels, it'd be a great, great service. Because I think he's right about that. Is sometimes when somebody guy, some guy gets in there first, and his Xbox just lags out, and then some other people are screwed out of the game. And that's not exactly fair to everyone when a server can be based on an internet connection over the actual system itself. Mm -hmm. 
I, I would I would really agree with that that turn of events. That'd be great. I mean, just look at uh look at Counter Strike Source. Look at look at what Steam has brought to the game to the online market. I mean, those server lists are great. I mean, the whole essence of of the Counter Strike online experience would be great to a first person shooter on Xbox Live. Okay, I want to wrap this up by saying, Devin, what would be the game that they shoot they you think people should go buy now for any system that you choose? Go buy right now. I would probably say still coming up. V must buy for right now. If you own a DS, would have to be Mario Kart DS. If you own an Xbox 360, it would have to be Call of Duty 2. If you own a PSP, right now the best thing to do would be to download Homebrew. If you have 2.0 or higher, you better hope they crack that, or you have to downgrade because if you have this regular PSP, no great games are coming out. I mean, I mean, games are coming out. Software is heading its way. But there's not that much content on it right now. Um, my, my favorite game to purchase right now, coming out soon, right now I, I would recommend Fight Night. It just came out. It's a great game. I've played the demo. I've played the actual game. I love this game. This game is amazing. It puts you right in the center of the ring. You feel like you're the player. To me, the most immersive boxing game ever. Okay, well, also to wrap it up, just to let you know, this is our first episode of the Video Game Podcast. And we will we will like to add some more members and have a few guest stars, so just to get some more opinions out here. Also, we would like the listeners to get interactive too. Our email address is videogamecast all one word at gmail dot com. That's videogamecast at gmail dot com. We would like you to send us topics that you might like to talk about, game reviews that you like, anything that is related to video games that you might want us to mention. You can put your name there. We'll talk about. We can talk about your name. If you don't, we'll put. In, you can put anonymous, or just tell us you don't want us to say it. Anything. Because we want you guys to tell us what we can do to make our podcast better. And our website is under construction right now, but we hope to get it up soon. And we will all register forums, any extras, and we might even do some contests where we might let a guest star actually have their own voice in our podcast one day. Uh, we'd like to give a huge thanks to Revolution Report. Their podcast has been a huge, huge inspiration. Uh, if you do not know, their site is revolutionreport.com. Check it out. Great inf information on everything Nintendo. If you want new information about Revolution, they would have it first. Okay, and just one last time. Our email is videogamepod videogamecast at gmail.com. That's videogamecast at gmail.com. All one word, videogamecast. The name of our podcast. <laughs> of course. And uh, I think that's going to be it for today. And with that, this, is, this has been your VGC of the week. I'm Joey, and this is Devin, and we're going to say goodbye. goodbye.